You're listening to New Life Chapel Podcast. So for the next two Sundays, what we're going to do is we're going to cover what it is about being an authentic church, a genuine church, an original church, a relational church, an authentic church. And I believe that Jesus wants every bit of that because ain't no one more authentic than Christ himself that walked the face of the earth here. And he wants us to imitate his life and portray and represent him in the way that he would like us to. So I wonder if you can join with me, can you, as we uh, look at Mark chapter 8, verse 27 to 29. Can we do that for a minute? I have picked the Passion Translation, lately I've been reading that. And I would like to invite you to read Mark chapter 8, verse 27 to 29 on the theme of being authentic. Then Jesus and his disciples walked to the villages near Garcia, Philippi. On the way, he posed this question to his disciples. One of, great, one of Jesus' great tools for learning was he was commonly asking questions. Who do people say that I am? He's asking his disciples. They replied, well, some say John the baptizer. Others say Elijah the prophet. And still others say you must be one of the prophets. And he asks, he asks them, okay, okay, that's cool about what everybody else has got to say who I am. But they probably just missed the essence of the question because what he's probably asking them that he's driving a lot stronger now is, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And we know that Jesus's reply was that that answer was correct. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed to you this, but my father who is in heaven. So I want to speak when it, when it concerns the whole theme of authentic, a church that's authentic on the title of who do people say that I am? I'm going to speak on who do people say that I am? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving grace and strength that accompanies us and empowers and equips us, particularly in the days that we live in. I bless you and thank you for the power that's invested in your word and that your word is light, it's life, it builds faith. It increases confidence. It is our foundation. The Word is our anchor. It's a light to our path and to our feet. Your Word is all powerful. Your Word is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, judging every thought and intent of the heart. We thank You for Your Word this morning. Let Your Word transform. Let it restore. Let it rejuvenate. Let it shape us into the people that you've called us to be and become in particular this world that we live in right now, I ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen on the screen there. Give us a shout out and big amen there. Who do people say that I am? That's a really good question to ask if you want a response to measure the level of authenticity that somebody has. Who do people say that I am. Who do people say that you are? 
you as a person. And what would people say you are? Have you ever thought about that? I wonder what people would say about you. I wonder what people would say about who we are as a church. Who do people say? And what do people say about New Life Chapel? That's a good question. If we're going to want to know and how to measure how authentic we are, we could ask the community that question. Who do you people say out there that we are as a church? When the community hears the name New Life Chapel, you have to ask yourself the question, what comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to mind? I wonder what they'd say. Oh, that's that place with the building there on the corner of, yeah. That's that place with the lit up sign that I pass. Oh, that's that place. I hear they got good music. I wonder what the response would be when you say, what do you think of? What comes to mind when we say the words, New Life Chapel? Do you know if you were to Google, as I did, if you Googled the characteristics of an authentic church, watch this, 10 million, sorry, 10 million 400,000 articles come up when you Google the characteristics of an authentic church. There seems to be a lot of people with a lot of opinions about what an authentic church is. How do you measure authenticity? In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, love each other with genuine affection. So one of the signs of authenticity is that as a body of Christ, we'll love one another with authentic affection. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, Paul says this about authenticity with some, about somebody who's referring to Timothy. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All of the others are not authentic. They care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Paul said, Timothy is the real deal. He's as authentic as you get. I want to just quickly throw up on the screen what I consider 10 behaviours of authentic people. Just quick, hey? 10 behaviours of authentic people. Number one, authentic people do not seek attention or prominence. Because Matthew 23, 11 says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. An authentic person in Christ is a servant not seeking attention or prominence or this pursuit and quest of wanting to be liked. If you're a servant, you come with the proper position and posture. Number two, authentic people are kind and considerate to others. Romans 12 said, outdo one another in showing honour to each other. Authentic people are kind and considerate to others. It's how Jesus would want us. Number three, authentic people find joy in enriching the lives of others. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Celebrate with those that are celebrating. We are, we are encouraged also to weep with those that are weeping, but don't forget to celebrate with those that are celebrating. And Authentic people find joy in enriching, in celebrating, in rejoicing and being somebody's personal cheer squad. Number four, 
They don't make promises they cannot keep. Proverbs 25, 14 says, A person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that brings no rain. And there's plenty of, picture, plenty of scriptures that talk about keeping your promises even when it hurts, the Bible says. The next one, authentic people are humble and they are not threatened by other people. They're not threatened. Romans 12, 16 says, Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people even in lowly positions. Humility cares not for who it associates with, whether it associates with rich, whether it associates with poor, poor people. Humility. Did not Jesus come like that? He said, I have come as a servant among you. This is the crown prince of glory. I've come as a servant among you. The next one, authentic people don't take things personally. Ecclesiastes 7.21 in the ESV version, do not take to heart all the things that people say. Come on, if we're going to be authentic, bonafide, genuine people in God, we've got to learn what it means not to take things personally. Every one of these things could be a message in itself. I'm just throwing out snapshots of it for you. Next one. Authentic people are grateful for what they have. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Come on, let's give thanks in all things. They're grateful people. Next one. Authentic people take responsibility for their actions. Come on. Genuine, authentic people do take responsibility for their actions. I do like the scripture in Job 14.9. It says, And if indeed I have erred, and if indeed I have made a mistake, my errors and my mistakes remain with me. I take personal responsibility for my actions. Authentic people, very quickly, two more. They are secure and comfortable in their own skin. Psalm 139, 14 says, Fearfully and wonderfully, I have been made. Matter of fact, Kate's going to be preaching on this next Sunday, going to preach a ripping word on being authentic you, being the real deal you, being, hey, be you, be original, be you, but that, that's to come. Next one, and finally, authentic people practice what they preach. We're being genuine. We don't say one thing and we do another. We are not just hearers of the word, we are doers, authentic disciples of Christ, doing what Jesus Christ has said in his word to do. Come quickly. We desire to be a church that is genuine, that cares. Our core value is to be committed to authenticity, for a concern for our community and our region. And thank God that we would uh, thank God for our food share. Thank God for the business hampers. Thank God for the good work that's being done in youth and kids and everything like that. I, I, I've said to you time and time again, church, if I wanted somebody to just to find one word, one word to define New Life Chapel, if somebody said to me, how would you, if you could just find one word, Pastor Zoran, to define the church here, what would it be? I can answer that quickly. I want the one word to be others. 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 We exist for others.
we are reminded that that is Christ's passion. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, this is what we're called to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, recovery to the blind, and to set liberty of those who are oppressed. A genuine church, an authentic church, in my opinion, lives out this mandate that was on Christ's life that should be on our life. Let me ask you the question, what do you think authentic looks like? What does it look like to you? Would you not agree with me that we live in a day where people are craving authenticity? They're craving people, they're craving for the genuine. Many people today find it immensely challenging to discern between fact and fiction, between truth and exaggeration. Struggle to discern between, well, wait a minute, what is real and what is unreal? The Word of God even addresses this. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, The Lord detests dishonest scales. What is real, but it is actually unreal. But accurate weights find favour with Him. The Word of God instructs us in the affairs of business practices and everyday general life to resist dishonest scales. They're not, it's not authentic. Fraudulent schemes, deceitfulness and flattery. Oh my word, one day I'm going to preach to you about the difference between authentic encouragement and flattery. Another day. Then your business and your life will grow, the Bible says, and you will prosper if your scales are even and honest. There's a big difference between the fabricated and the factual. Between fake and genuine. The phony and legitimate, the contrived and the credible and the counterfeit and the original. And we're called to be authentic people, the body of Christ. William Parks from the BBC in Britain covered a story on a guy called Henry Hargraves who was constantly disappointed, <laughs> here it comes, who was constantly disappointed that he wasn't getting value for money from the packets of chips he was buying. He was annoyed that the packaging and the display of food portraying an illusion that you were buying a full packet of chips. How many, how many, how many people out there, come on, how many are with me? Come on, you go to the shop, right? You guys in the front here, as the few that are. How many are annoyed? You go to the shop and you buy a packet of chips, man, you open it up and half the suck is empty. And you think you're buying a full packet. I remember one time going to going to the supermarket, I just remember this clearly, go and buy a Cadbury's block of chocolate. And I thought, wow, there's something different about this block that's not the same as what it has been. It was wrapped in the same size packaging, but it was pretty evident to me that it was thinner chocolate. So they put the same packaging, probably, probably charged the same price, and reduce the amount of chocolate you get. How many think that's totally unacceptable online? How many there want your full packet of chips and want your proper block of chocolate? Come on, somebody. <laughs> How many have had enough of all this? How many are fed up with going to the supermarket and buying steak and you're getting charged for the water that they've, in, that, that they've injected in the meat? And Kate says, if you read it really carefully on the packaging, it says water infused. Hey, because they're hoping that you don't know what infused means. 
And then you put it on the pan, don't you? You cook that steak and you're thinking you're going to cook a steak. Instead, you're cooking a stew because all the water's pouring out. Anyway, I've had my rant. I hope you're feeling, are you feeling it out there? False weights and measures. We live in a society like that. So this man here, he was totally annoyed. And uh, so what he did, he measured the contents against the volume of the packet and the air enclosed, brackets nitrogen. And he found out that Doritos had 86% air and 14% Doritos. He found out that Pringles had 66% air and 34% content. You know what? May God forgive us if we ever become like that. If we ever become 34% Christian and 66% air. May the Lord help us if we become 14% Doritos, a Christian, and uh, 86% air. And I don't think I need to explain what I mean by that. The Bible prophesies, here we go, uh, sometime next year, hopefully in the early part of next year, I want to do a whole series on Bible prophecy, end times and stuff like that. I think people are asking a lot of questions lately. But let me just say something clearly to you. I'm not sure where I am with the clock there on the, on the wall. Uh, stuck on 2.59, so the clock says I've had 2 minutes and 59 for the last 20 minutes. Keep going. Thank you, Emma. Come on, keep going. The Bible prophesies that there will be, I'll tell you what the Bible prophesies about the last days we're going to live in. You ready for this? The Bible says that in the last days, there's going to be such a lack of authenticity. The Bible says that there'll be a dearth of genuineness. Do you know how it says that? The Bible prophesies that in the last days, it'll be difficult leading up to the coming of Christ. In some translations, it says it'll be perilous. It also paints a picture of increasingly fab fabricated and fictitious society. The Bible prophesies that in the last days, people will be challenged with having to discern between the real and what looks real and the unreal. Between the genuine and the ungenuine, the authentic and the inauthentic. It says that's what's coming. We're here now. As a matter of fact, the evidence of that is contained in uh, the ESV translation of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. But understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will not be authentic. Did you hear me? People will not be genuine. For people will be lovers of self, of money. They'll love being proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. People are going to be brutal. They're not going to even be committed to loving good. They'll be treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And having, watch this, and having the form of authenticity, having the form of genuineness, having the form of godliness, but denying the power within. 
And it says, avoid such people. Now, you know the Bible and the theology that's contained within the Bible that we're, we're not encouraged to avoid the world. We need to reach the world. This scripture is in direct reference to the Christian community. Those who appear to have the form of godliness, but deny it's within. It's a really sobering passage here. And it's talking to us guys in the house of God, the church. The world out there definitely is hungry and definitely in needy of an authentic and genuine church. And I praise God that there are many of us like it that can be found. There are more than enough candles lit in our community. And I'm thankful that Kate and I have found ourselves in good company here. These, as we finish, are incredible days of opportunity. These days are the church's finest hour, people. The darker it gets, the brighter the genuine becomes. The darker it gets, the brighter the authentic becomes. The darker it gets, the real deal stands out. And people love the real deal. They love it. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse 16, you are the light of the world. Who? You. Let your light shine before men. Let's shine our light before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let us take this real deal, authentic good news of the gospel of the light and life of Jesus Christ and let us take it out into the world. Listen, there are a number of opinions floating around out there at the moment. There are a number of views floating around out there at the moment. We have some things to say, don't we, of the situation and circumstances we find ourselves in. But I'm here to tell you, we can either scream at the darkness or we can light a candle in it. So let's light a candle and let's shine Jesus. At the end of the day, you and I are out of here. This is not our home. We belong to a kingdom that is not of this world upon which it's going to set up its government here during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And we will rule nations with Christ, the Bible says, and you will even judge angels. We are, this is not our permanent residence. Don't get too wound up about what's happening here. Colossians chapter three says, set your mind on things above and not on things below. Of the world. Church. Can I move around a bit? We are the genuine light. Mate, this thing here, this, this thing throws some light out, I'll tell you, it's amazing. We've got a couple of strong lights being thrown up on us. Do you know why we have these lights here? To eliminate the shade and the darkness of the face. When the light of Jesus Christ comes in, it eliminates the darkness in your soul. When you get close enough and you look into it, it's actually a bit blinding. I should look away. But it eliminates shadow. I'll never forget the day. I just literally, some things that happen in your life you'll never forget. And as we finish, I will never forget this day. I'm catching a flight, we were living in Geelong, from the Gold Coast to Avalon Airport. 
you got two airports you can arrive at. You can arrive at Melbourne and you can arrive at Avalon. I always like Avalon because it's about 20 so minutes from Geelong. Well, I, it was a winter's day. I remember it clearly. And I always sit on the aisle seat. And I came to the aisle seat and I sat in the aisle seat and the middle seat was empty and there was this sharp looking young lady about 25 on the window seat and she was crook as a. She was sick as me. Those are the days you traveled when you were crook. <laughs> and uh, I thought to myself, oh my word, she is really blowing her nose. She's crook. She's, I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm so glad I'm not sitting next to her and that there's a buffer in the middle. How's that for Christian compassion, hey? Instead of maybe offering to pray, I'm thinking, man, it's great that there's a buffer. <laughs> I had a packet of tissues that I threw in the, in the holder in front of me there. She sees the tissues and said, she said, would you mind if I could have a tissue? I'm thinking, mate, she needs the whole packet. I just gave her the whole packet. I gave her the packet kind of like, like, like this, you know. You know how you do these things. <laughs> and then I was relieved. I was relieved because another lady had come and she sat between her and I and I thought that's an even better buffer. How pathetic is that? Anyway, I open up my laptop and I start to work on my lecturing. And because at the time I was, I was um, one of the main lecturers at the Bible College at Planet Shakers and up comes the, la the laptop and the lady in the middle says, oh, you're from Planet Shakers because I had a letterhead. I said, I am. So she started talking and I could tell that the young lady on the window was eavesdropping. You just can tell. Every now and then she glanced. But she had a pad and she was sketching away some nice drawing. I'm trying to remember, I think it was a bird. It was a very impressive sketch. I leant over and looked at her and I said, uh, what's your name? And she said, Jarrah. I said, Jarrah, like uh, Jarrah the, in the timber, the timber. <laughs> I just totally lost the plot uh, talking to her. Anyway, Jarrah, I said, that's a nice name. It reminds me of Timber. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyway, I said, what? I said, you're great at sketching, man. That's a great sketch. You know what she said? She said, yeah. She said, it brings the spirituality out of me. I said, I've never met somebody who's artistic like that with art and drawing saying that it brings the spirituality out of me. Yeah, it's a sense of enlightenment. I used to dabble a bit in Buddhism and, and the New Age and and then all of a sudden, I engaged with her. I said, you're into enlightenment. She said, yeah. I said, the word light is in the word enlightenment. She said, that's right. I said, me too, man. I said, I am into light as well. She said, are you? She said, how do you mean? I said, look, Jarrah. I said, your light and my light are two different things, man. I said, your light is inferior, but my light is way superior. I said, your light is kind of down here a bit. My light is way up here. And your light comes nowhere near compa in comparison to my light. And she goes, ooh. I said, that's right, Jarrah. I said, you know, the light that I'm into is called pure light. She said, pure light. I said, that's right, pure light. I said, the light within me is that strong it makes the MCG look really lame when it's lit up. She said, what on earth are you talking about? She said, what is this light 
that you're talking about. I said, Jarrah, it's not an it. I said, do you really want to know this pure light that lives and abides within me? And she's just looking bemused. I said, it's not an it. I said, the light in me is Jesus Christ who said He is the light of the world. That same light that when God spoke, let there be light, that is the Word, that is Christ personified. That is, and He is the one that lives and abides in me. And Jarrah, let me tell you something. I said, you've got about enough light to light up some sort of night light in some hallway at 25 watts. Wait till you get a hold of the light that's unbelievably penetrable, that's so lit up. I said, Jarrah, I am so totally lit. She goes, she goes, man, she said, you know what? She said, you're a little bit out of your mind, aren't you? I said, no, no. I said, I'm out of everybody else's mind. I said, if I was in everybody else's mind, I'd be in a six by four world and lit up with just 25 watts. I said, you need this light. I said, it's not by accident that you and I are sitting in the same row. I said, my steps are governed and led and I'm supposed to be sitting here talking to you about this. I said, I'm not here by the roll of the dice or by chance. I'm here by design. I'm here to talk to you about Jesus Christ, the light of the world. She said, do you, she said, do you believe in destiny? I said, totally. She said, I do too. I said, I don't believe in chance. She said, I'm not sure that I do either. She said, do you know what's funny? She said, we're flying to Avalon. I'm not supposed to be flying to Avalon. I was supposed to be flying to Melbourne. I accidentally pushed the wrong button and bought the ticket to Avalon. I said, there's nothing accidentally about it. You and I are supposed to meet. Thank you for listening. For more information about New Life Chapel, please go to newlifechapel.org.